0: from the father of our lord jesus christ and from the lord jesus christ himself i am the voice of one crying in the wilderness of this world and life prepare ye the way of the lord make every path straight repent for the kingdom of god is at hand in our last broadcast we discussed what dead works are and arrived at three definitions we said dead works are the acts the deeds the actions the activities that we engage in that are not initiated neither inspired nor implemented by God. We said that dead works are those acts, those deeds, those actions, those activities that lack the life or presence of God and by extension, the authority of God. And lastly, we said that dead works are those acts, those deeds, those actions, those activities that we engage in in the flesh to satisfy our own desires, our own lusts. And these activities usually will lead To eternal death. Now with that broad definition of dead works, what we want to do in this broadcast is to look at instances of dead works from scripture so that we can have a better understanding, more elaborate understanding, a deeper sense of what dead works are. You recall that when we're discussing the issue of repentance, we said one of the crucial things about repentance is that the person who is repenting must realize that he has done wrong. And so the essence of our discussion today is for us to be able to bring ourselves to the realization of whether we are doing things right or wrong. And so we must turn to the scriptures and we're going to do quite a bit of scripture search. We begin with Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, I read verse 5 and then I read Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to verse 8. Romans 7, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh... The sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. When you are in the flesh, every activity that you engage in is dead works. Because remember from the broad definition that we gave, the Holy Spirit is not involved. And once you are in the flesh, everything that we do is going to be dead works. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 8, this makes it even clearer. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, that is according to the dictates of the old sinful nature, the sin-loving nature of man, that's what is called the flesh. One minister of God calls him Mr. Flesh, that he's a person who is directing the course of affairs in the lives of certain people. So he says, when a person is living according to the dictates of this fellow called the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, the things that the flesh want but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So you can be led by the flesh and you can be led by the Spirit. If you are led by the flesh, your desires will be what the flesh wants. If you are led by the Spirit, your desires will be what the Spirit wants. Verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Again, we see carnality being ascribed to the flesh, being ascribed to dead works. In verse 7 it says, Because the carnal mind The nature of the man that is carnal, the nature of the man that is in the flesh, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The man who is walking in the flesh, as much as he says he wants to please God, he cannot, because he will be hostile. Why? The person that is directing him, that is leading him, is hostile to God. The flesh is always hostile to God. If God says go right, the flesh will say go left. Whatever God says, the flesh will go the other way. It is not possible. For the flesh to tell you to do what God wants you to do. It's against the principles of the flesh. In verse 8 it says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So when we live according to the dictates of the flesh, or the old sinful nature, or the nature of man that delights to sin, everything we do is dead works. Even if it is opening a church, preaching a message, or prophesying, it is dead works. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5, the Bible speaks of a time when we'll see certain things happening and I believe that time is now. In verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, these people have a form of godliness, but they deny its power and from such people turn away. When you see them, you will think that they are godly, but they do not exhibit the power of godliness. The power of godliness is what stops us from living in sin, is what stops us from living according to the flesh. Now, when people exhibit a form of godliness, but not the power, they are unable to live right. They are unable to live holy. They are unable to live for God. They live for themselves. This is what we call religious formalism or rituals. We go to church. Yes. Why? Just because we want to go to church. So God cannot change our schedules. We are in church. We are preaching. And even though we've heard God saying to us to preach on but because we have prepared a particular sermon and we must deliver it, it's difficult for us to change. We have a form of godliness, but we have denied the power of God that makes a man to be godly. So even though we have a form of godliness, we are in essence exhibiting worldliness. We are exhibiting fleshly conduct. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6, But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Here he's talking about young widows. Young widows should remarry. They shouldn't stay single because they may not be able to cope. And they may have strong desires of pleasure, of wanting to have a man again in their lives. And he says, but those people who live in pleasure, they are dead. So when we seek worldly pleasure, we are dead. And every activity that we engage in is dead. In Luke chapter eight, verse 14, Luke chapter eight, verse 14, when the Lord Jesus was talking about what I call the parable of the soils, he mentioned the thorny soil. And what he said about the thorny soil was, now the ones that fall among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. A person whose focus is on the cares of this world, on riches, this deceitfulness of riches, on the pleasures of this world, that person will not be able to bring anything to maturity. So he hears the word of God, but his love, for wealth will push him to push the word of God away and he will seek wealth we find a lot of that in many of the messages in many churches today those messages are dead works because they don't make the people who hear them to seek after God rather they make the people who hear them to seek after wealth to seek after fame to seek after the flesh to seek after the things of the world so every activity that emanates from such is dead works even the tithing is dead works. Why? Because they are tithing so that they can be rich. They are not tithing because they want to take care of the needs of the poor. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, it puts a lead on the issue that we are discussing. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot love God and the world. It's not possible. And you remember the Lord Jesus Christ said it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said, you cannot love God and love mammon. You are going to be loyal to one and disloyal to the other. So if you are affectionate towards the world, you are going to be disloyal to God. If you are affectionate towards God, you are going to be disloyal to the world. It's as simple as that. There are no gray areas with God. It's black and white. And in verse 16, it says, for all that is in the world. The lusts of the flesh, that the desires of the flesh, that man, the flesh, that person, the flesh, that sinful nature, the lust of the eyes, everything I see, I must have. Whether it's a human being or it's an item of purchase, we're talking of covetousness here, talking of greed and avarice. And then the pride of life, the desire to be famous, the desire to be known. Don't you know who I am? You want people to know who you are. When people praise you, your head swells the pride of life. He says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Anything that is of the world, anything that makes us to seek worldly pleasures is dead works. Anything that we do to receive pleasure personally from it is dead works. So our so-called praise and worship where we are receiving pleasure, not giving God pleasure is dead works. When you understand what worship is, you will know that worship is not the singing. Worship is the lifestyle. So you cannot, for example, rise up from the bed of fornication and go and sing and say that you brought down the glory. No, it was the flesh at work. You didn't bring down no glory. It was just yourself thinking that you had brought down glory. You didn't bring down glory because God saw what you did. He sees through all those things. He sees through the charade and he knows God does not accept anything that is born out of unrighteousness because it is dead works. So for a person To seek worldly pleasure and say that he is worshipping God is dead works. All those songs that people caught on CD, not because they are worshipping God, but because they want to get money from it, is dead works. Those books that we write for the sake of money is dead works. We're not writing it because we want it to go around the world. We are doing it because we want to receive some accolade from it, some personal pleasure from it, is dead works. There are many people who don't believe that you can want to do something for God and it will be dead works. But we'll see a classical example of that. Second Samuel chapter seven. I'm going to read from verse one. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house that the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around. Then the king said to Nathan the prophet, see now I dwell in a house of Seder. But the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David. Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelled in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent. And in a tabernacle, wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of Seder? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel, and have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have cost you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house when your days are fulfilled that you rest with your fathers. I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men, and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. So this is the deal. David had brought the Ark of God to Jerusalem. The tabernacle was still in Shiloh. And he was dwelling in his well-paneled house. But the tabernacle was in a tent outside of his palace. And he thought to himself, that how can I be living in a paneled house? And God, because the Ark was the very presence of God, I was called the Ark of His presence. And each time David wanted to meet with God, David would actually leave his palace and go under that tent and worship God. In fact, he brought Levites to that tent to be singing songs, worship songs unto God day and night. That was how much David loved God. So David said one day to Nathan, the prophet, he said, look at me dwelling in a well-paneled house. And the ark of God is dwelling in a tent under curtains. I want to build a house for God. That's a wonderful thing. And Nathan said, it's in your heart and God is with you. Go ahead and do it. But that night, God went to Nathan and said to Nathan, Go and tell David that he's not to build anything for me. I have never asked anybody to build me a house. There is a reason why I want to dwell in tents. Instead of him building me a house, I will build for him a house. And what was the house God was going to build for him? A dynasty. So that he said, there would not be lacking on the throne of Israel, a son of David. That was a promise that God made to David. And somewhere God said, if you can break my covenant with David, then you can break another covenant. Eventually Christ came. Being referred to as the son of David, and his throne was established forever. What we're trying to drive at here is that you can want to build a church for God, which is a good thing. But the real question is: Is God asking you to do it? So dead works is anything that is not approved by God, even though it is something that we think would delight God, something that we think would bring joy to God. If God does not approve it, it is dead works. So remember the definition that for a work. To be accepted by God, it must be initiated by God. It must be inspired by God. It must be implemented by God. So if God does not approve, it it didn't initiate it. It was something that David wanted to do. And God said no. Even though God asked Solomon to build him the temple, you would see as you read that it was not the temple that was the issue as far as God was concerned. God was more concerned with Solomon than the temple. And that was why it didn't mean anything to God when he said, you see this temple you people are glorying in. I am going to ask foreigners to come and remove it and pull it down. So let us not think that the issue of, oh, is the church of God, is the house of God. It doesn't really mean much to God. Because the tabernacle that God wants to dwell in is you. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to live in the spirit. That way he can dwell in you. But you see, we have created a situation where we can clearly have a dichotomy between our lives and the house of God. So we live anyhow we want to live, outside of the church building. Then, when we go to church, we are calm and quiet. Opening your Bible in church, when you are not opening it in the house, is dead works. Praying in church, and we are going to see some of that. When you don't pray in your house, is de- that prayer is dead works. In Acts chapter 5, from verse 1 to verse 10, But a certain man, named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife, also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourselves? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much? She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed, her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. If you read the few verses before, there was a man called Barnabas who had sold his property and had given it to the church. Now, we don't know whether that was the motivation for Ananias and Sapphira, but they also went and sold their land. And they decided that, look, we, we won't give all. We'll just give a portion, but we will tell them That that portion we are given is what we sold the land for. So that they will think that, oh, you two, you are measuring up to the son of consolation. I don't know what the motivation was. But definitely did not come from God. The Bible tells us that he was motivated by Satan. He and his wife agreed. You know, we always quote certain scriptures. where can two walk together except they be agreed. And we don't know that that scripture is referring to God as one party. And we, that is you either as an individual or with your wife or the entire church, as the other party. You can walk together with another man. But if your agreement is contrary to God, two are not working together. So they agreed, husband and wife, because when the wife came and they asked the wife, was that how much people saw? She said, yes. Peter said, why did you connive with your husband? How two of you agree together to lie to the Holy Spirit? See the feet of the men who took your husband out. They are the door. They will carry you as well. And she died. You know, sometimes I honestly wish this kind of thing happened in church again. Then hypocrites will run away from the church because you know, that if you committed fornication, you dare not go on the altar. You committed adultery, you dare not touch the sacred things of God. But people are doing it. Anything that is done with a wrong motive, anything that is done being motivated by the flesh or by Satan or that has falsehood in it, deception and falsehood is dead works. This is one reason why all these activities of Christmas and even Easter is dead works. Why do we say it's dead works? Because, for example, Christmas is a lie. We know that. Jesus Christ was not born on December 25th. Throughout his ministry, not once did we hear him celebrate his birthday. After he left the world, not once did we find any of the apostles saying, Men and brethren, this is the day that the Lord was born. Let's celebrate it. Never. God never asked us anywhere in the Bible to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. He said we should celebrate the death. And even the death that he said we should celebrate, he said as often as you do it, you do show the death of the Lord. Easter has nothing to do with Christianity. Christianity doesn't celebrate those things. What Christianity celebrates is communion where we remember the Lord. We remember what he did for us. It's to keep it in our memory, intact in our memory. That's what communion is about. But today, we are seeing all kinds of versions of things. Say, when you take communion, you'll be healed. The fact that you take communion and you are healed does not mean that communion is the healer. God is the healer. He can heal with or without communion. So why do we attach something to these things? That is the kind of religious formalism and rituals that I'm talking about. We are deceiving people. A lot of times, people don't know that God will honor certain things, not because you are doing the right thing, but because it is of his mercy and he just wants to do it. Then one day, he will drag that fellow by the ear and say, did I ask you to do such a thing? There was a time one pastor instituted feet washing as a part of communion. I said, where do people get these things from? Those are dead walks. They may sound wonderful, but they are dead walks. The Lord Jesus Christ washed the feet of his apostles because he wanted to teach them the lesson of humility and service and leadership. Leadership is service. Leadership is not to be a boss. Feet washing is not a tradition that the Lord instituted. What instituted was communion. And he said we should do it as often, not on a particular day. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Anything that you are doing, it may seem good, but that is not born out of obedience to God. That is, you are not doing the will of God in that action that you are taking, is dead works. And you can see the lofty things that the Lord speaks about here. He says, they will come and say, But we prophesied in your name. That is, we preached. I've, I've been hearing so many things called, Oh, and the Lord told me this. And the Lord told me that. And the Lord is saying this. And the Lord is saying that. And thank God the Bible says that when we hear prophecy, We should test one, every spirit, too. We should test every prophecy that we hear. That's First Corinthians chapter 14 and 1 John chapter 4. This is because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we must test it. You don't just ha- take hook line and sink out what somebody says, God said. It doesn't matter the name the person has. Once he says God said, you find that Holy Spirit, is it true? There's nothing wrong with that. This is it the prophesied in your name? They say, Oh, and we cast out demons in your name. We did p- one signs and wonders in your name. God may have even honored those things. But look at what he said. He said, Depart from me, I never knew you. You who do lawlessness or workers of iniquity. In one place, he says, You who do what was not authorized. So the question is. That preaching, was it authorized by God? That deliverance service that you're always holding, did God authorize it? It is possible that God authorized you to do one, but did he tell you to do it every week or every month? Is that what the Lord said? Did the Lord tell you to go and start doing signs and wonders? Did he ask you to do that? Why do you do it? Many times we pray, we say, Lord, just do one miracle. Why? Because we want that when they hear that miracle, people will come to our churches. That's dead works. It doesn't carry weight with God. So anything that we are doing, which is not born out of obedience to God, which is not the will of God, is dead works. It doesn't matter how lofty it may seem to be. doesn't matter how good it may seem to be in our own eyes. It is dead works. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men, openly in Matthew 23 verse 5 and we'll come back to discuss this Matthew 23 verse 5 speaking about the Pharisees and the scribes the Lord Jesus Christ said but all their works they do to be seen by men all their works they do for public accolade so he says when you are doing your good deeds When you are doing your charitable deeds, don't do it for people to know. I've been hearing so many people speaking about what is the church doing? The church should be doing something, especially at this time of COVID-19 and so on and so forth. Even if the church did it, why must it publicize it? The church is supposed to do it secretly, quietly, and there should be no noise. Anybody who feels that the church is not doing anything, go and complain to God. Leave the church alone. And if you are a believer, you should be able to take care of your neighbors without making noise about it. So what the Lord is saying is, your good deeds, must not be to draw attention. I've seen people go to motherless babies' home, the homes of orphans or some other places where they want to do their good deeds, and they go with TV cameras. The Bible says that you have received your reward already. It's dead works. It doesn't count with God. So let's stop doing those things. Some of those things that I see, the church puts its name on it and says they are doing CSR. It's dead works. Stop doing it. Do the deed, but don't put the name of the church there. You are not doing it for men to see. You are doing it because God wants it done. And that's all it should be. Those announcements from the podium. Oh, I'm giving this because you want to motivate others to give. Don't do it. It's dead works. Don't let people know what you are doing. It's dead works. Then we go to the book of Revelation. It's something that we need to spend time on, but we'll be as brief as we can. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, This thing says he, Who holds the seven stars in his right hand? Who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands? I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent. And do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. This is the church of Ephesus. And the Lord was saying about this church He said, I see the good deeds that you are doing. Works of faith, works of patience, even testing people who come and say they are apostles, and you have found them to be false. You even hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He said, But there's one thing wrong. And that one thing is so crucial that it is enough for me to remove the lampstand from you. And what is that one thing? It says you have abandoned or forsaken your first love. Who is the first love of the church? Is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he's the only one who loved the church so much. He gave himself for the church. No other person, no pastor loved you enough to die for you. Only Jesus Christ. And so what has happened? In all that they did, they did not do it out of love for God. They did it on their own. It was not born out of love. So activities that are done, that are not born out of love for God, they are dead works. And that's why for all the wonderful things that the church in Ephesus did, the Lord still said, no, I'm going to remove your lampstand because it's not done out of love. The Bible says, if we love God, we will obey him. So even though they were doing those things, they were not doing it out of obedience to God. When what you're doing is not born out of love, it's simply put dead works. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 12 to 16, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, Right. This thing says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrines of Balaam, who taught Balak To put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent or else, I will come to you quickly, and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. This is the church in Pergamos. They also had some good things they were doing, but there was something that was terribly wrong in what they were doing. What was it? They permitted the teachings of Balaam and the Nicolaitans teachings of Balaam was teaching people to commit idolatry and sexual sin. Today we have many preachers who are teaching all kinds of crazy things from the altar. And you start wondering, they say they are teaching on marriage, but what they are teaching essentially is sexual immorality. And what we have essentially is a mixture of doctrines, what is called syncretism. The minute we begin to mix doctrines in the church of God, you are preaching the word of God, then you bring in things from different places and mix it together. Is dead books. We have People who say they are teaching the word of God and then they bring sand, they bring coconut, they bring cola nut, they bring pepper, they bring all kinds of things and actually seek to justify it. It's syncretism. is dead works. People say, but it works. Do you think the juju man's juju does not work? Or do you think the witch's incantations do, does not work? It does. It's just that for a Christian, no weapon that is fashioned against a Christian will prosper. It can't work on a Christian, but it works on other people. So don't think that because something is happening, it means that it is approved of God. It is not. The doctrine of God must be pure. You cannot mix it. That's why all this Christmas, all these things that we are doing, do do Valentine, do Christmas, do Ash Wednesday, do this. They are dead works. Let's stop it. God is not impressed by it and doesn't help you. So stop it. The word of God is all you need. You don't need to mix it with anything. The man of Galilee is enough for you. Is enough for me. The word of God is enough for us. Some people say science has proven that Jesus died here. Archaeology has proven that this is where he was born. You don't need archaeology or anything to prove. Otherwise, it is no longer faith. Faith is it is written and so we believe. And because we believe, we speak it. That's what faith is about. That's what Christianity is about. Christianity is not that somebody has proven something. Christianity is about what God wants us to do. So syncretism, mixing doctrines, is dead works. In Revelation chapter 2 from 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, This thing says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, The last are more than the first. So they are doing very well in increasing dimensions. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her, into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am He. Who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. A woman had been teaching in a particular church. The Lord called her Jezebel. Her teachings were seductive, her teachings were seducing the pastors, the men, the ministers, and some other men to commit sexual immorality in the church. Her teachings were allowing people to commit idolatry. It's similar to syncretism. There was no teaching here of God. These were strange teachings, strange doctrines that people have imported into the church. And the pastor of the church permitted this woman dead works. Before you invite somebody to come and preach on the altar that God has put you at, you better go and pray to God. Let God be the one speaking to you. Don't do it out of your flesh because you feel, I've seen that man preach somewhere. You don't know him. That preaching that you heard once is what is exciting. You don't know him. Let God speak to you and say, invite this brother. Teachings that lead to sinful and disobedient living, they're dead works. As people are teaching these wrong things, just look at the lifestyle of the people. I know there are people who will not listen, even when you teach them the truth. But we are talking of a place where the preponderance of the lifestyle is the result of false teachings and wrong teachings from the church. Those teachings are dead works. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 1, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, This thing says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. This is a church. He says they had a reputation. If you entered Sardis and you said you wanted to worship God, they will point you to that church. They said, That's the church. God is there. That was the repetition they had. But what was the Lord's view of what they were doing in the church? Dead. Said this church, dead works. Everything in that church, dead works. Even though he said he had a few people who were doing right in that church. But majority, dead works. Getting your motivation from anyone, especially the world, and not from God, is dead works. You are doing a particular program and people are hailing you. Journalists are writing about it. It's dead works. If God does not approve of it, we need to be asking God questions on a daily basis. Lord, this program that we are doing, should we continue? Revelation chapter 3, 14 to 17. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, This thing says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. This was another church here. They thought they were doing okay. The Lord said, I don't even know where to place you. You are not cold. That is, you are not sinners. At least if I see you, we we don't see wholehearted sin in your lives. Then when we don't see you as hot. You're not fanatical for God. You're just wishy-washy. warm is lower in temperature than warm. So they are closer to cold than they are to hot. He says, look at you. You think that because you have money, that that is what matters. Because you say, I am rich and I have need of nothing. You think that is what God's talking about. Some pastors think that because a lot of money is domiciled in their members, so it means that God is happy with them. He said, no, you don't know that you are wretched, you are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. Private jet does not mean divine approval. Owning cars does not mean divine approval. Building churches, schools, health, it could, but it does not mean it. So we must be careful of these things. So we see that when we live according to the dictates of the flesh, anything that we do is dead works. When we have a form of godliness, but don't have the power to live that godly life, is dead works. Anything that we do from there is dead works. Seeking worldly pleasure is dead works. Even in what we think we are doing in the church. Anything that does not have the approval of God is dead works. Like when David wanted to build a temple for God and God said no. If David had gone ahead to build it, it would have been dead works for him. Anything that is done with wrong motives, as in Ananias and Sapphira, is dead works. Doing things that are not out of obedience to God is dead works. Doing things to receive public accolade is dead works. Anything that is done not out of the love of God is dead works. Syncretism, a mixture of teachings, of doctrines from different places is dead works. Because God wants the word of God to be pure and unadulterated. The Bible calls it the sincere milk of the word of God. Once you add anything to that word, it becomes insincere. It becomes diluted. It's not the word of God. Teachings that lead to sinful and disobedient living is dead works. It doesn't matter that the fellow is humming and sweating and no, it's dead works. Getting your motivation from anyone apart from God is dead works. Living without loyalty and devotion to God, which is what the Laodicean church was doing. They were not devoted. They were not dedicated to God. They were not holding on to God. They were neither here nor there. On Sunday, they are Christians. Monday through Saturday, you don't even know what they are. Their wealth has become their God. Because they have money, they think that they don't need anything. Is dead works. They are not devoted to God. That brings us, as we close, to another crucial aspect. There are two categories of people. Who can engage in dead works? The first one are those who do not have the spirit of God in them. In Romans chapter 8, we read verse 5 to verse 8. And we spoke there of carnality. And we said anything that the carnal man does is dead works. Why? Because the carnal man is hostile to God. He cannot obey God. He cannot do what God wants him to do. Everything that he does is for himself. Is for the flesh. In verse nine, the Bible says, Romans chapter 8, verse nine. It says, "But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his." translation says he is not a Christian. And in First John chapter three, from verse four, he says, "Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Sin and sin is lawlessness." And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. That is Christ. Whoever abides in him that is in Christ does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he that is Christ is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. These are strong statements I'm going to explain in a moment. For his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. In this the children of God and children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. What is the Bible saying here? The Bible is saying, if we see somebody who is living in sin, he doesn't know God. He's not of God. The Spirit of God is not in him. He says because if the Spirit of God were in him, he would live righteously. Why? He is born of the Spirit. The DNA of God has been put in him. It doesn't mean that he will not make mistakes, but he will quickly repent. But for somebody to be blatantly engaging in sin, he's not born again. Even if he went to confess, he is not born again. To be born again means that the Spirit of God has been put in you. So if somebody does not have the spirit of God in him. He cannot do good works. Everything that he does will be dead works. His church attendance will be dead works. His preaching will be dead works. Everything he does will be dead works. There was this video of a lunatic who was preaching the gospel. And people were getting excited. And I said to Peter, I said, be very careful because Satan too can preach. A lunatic is of Satan. It's not of God. So that message he was preaching, for as much as it might be exciting, is dead works. It doesn't count for anything. How come he hasn't been delivered? These are things that we should have been asking, but we don't ask because we like to get excited about those things. So those who do not have the spirit of God in them, they are not born again. Everything they do is dead works. But there's a second category of people. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, Galatians 5, 16 and 17, the Bible says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. There are people who are born again, but they never listen to the Holy Spirit. They only listen to the flesh. Those people will always do dead works. So two categories of people, people who, are, who don't know God at all, people who are not born again. And people who say they are born again, who are actually supposedly born again, but they don't listen to the Spirit of God. They are not led by the Spirit of God. They are led by the flesh. And the Bible talks about the works of the flesh. That people who are engaging in those things, They're not following the leading of God. They're following the leading of the flesh. What are these things? I'm just going to rush through them. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness. That's homosexuality and all those sexual sins. Lewdness. Prostitution is part of uncleanness, by the way. Lewdness. That's seductive dressing. The seductive way that people dress to come to church and even to their offices and they say they are Christians is dead works. You will know that these are motivated by the flesh. They want people to say that they are beautiful or they are looking okay. It's the flesh. In verse 20, it continues. Idolatry. Idolatry is basically covetousness, sorcery, hatred, contentions, fightings, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, partying, festival atmosphere. Many of those carnivals that we do in our churches. Dead walks. People will carry it and be lifting it up and saying they are praising God. How can there be such rowdiness and unruliness? And we say, we are doing good works. It's dead works. These are works of the flesh. That is why in Revelation 3, 1, which you read earlier, the Lord Jesus Christ said to that church, you have a reputation that you are living, but you are dead. Because everything they were doing was dead works. They were born again, but they refused to be led by the Spirit of God. They were led only by the flesh. We've seen the instances of dead works. and We've seen the kind of people that can engage in it. You should ask yourself the question, do you fall into any of those categories? Then you start going to God in repentance. Why do you go to church if you are not going to give your life to Christ? Why do you keep going if you are not going to commit your life to Christ? Why waste your time? You might as well return to your nightclub. Why do you get born again? You are still smoking cigarettes, smoking Indian hemp and drinking alcohol all over the place and dodging and hiding and weaving. Why do you do it? Everything you are doing is dead works because there is no righteous deed in it. When we talk of dead works, the tendency is to assume that only sinners will engage therein. But from all we've seen, the providence of scriptures that we've seen, it is possible for people who are born again to engage therein, sometimes, without even knowing that that's what they are doing, which is why we have to do this study. People need to know that what they are doing is wrong. And it is what will lead us to repent. When we now see that what I have been doing is wrong, a Christian can engage in dead works, if he is not allowing himself to be led by the Spirit of God, if he's being led by popular opinion, if he's being led by his flesh, if he has being led by his wife, or a woman being led by her husband, contrary to the leading of the Holy Spirit, is dead works. If you are prophesying, because you want people to know that you are prophesying, is dead works. So it is possible for a Christian to engage in dead works. In our next broadcast, we are going to be looking at why Christians engage in dead works and by the grace of God that will lead us to the broadcast after that where we'll be looking at repentance from dead works. The church of God needs to be purged. There are many people who are engaging in activities that are contrary to God and some of them don't know it. Some of them the teachings they are receiving has deceived them into believing that what they are doing is right but what they are doing is actually wrong and they need to know as we go back to scripture. God bless you and goodbye.